Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 159. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at vjourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at networknerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. We are pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, so we're in the middle of a three-part interview uh, series with Andy Surwich. Do you remember what we talked about in uh, the first episodes, uh, 158? 158, yes, sir. If you missed part one of this trilogy, we talked about Andy's journey into tech, how he got into IT, worked for a school system, then he went into IT at a manufacturing company and got a little bit different taste, went all the way to an MSP and into management, and he didn't seem to care for management a lot. (laughs) That's a... Not the first time that we've heard that. Not the first time. No, not at all. I think the thing that I'm finding interesting is kind of that tease towards the end of um, 158 where um, Andy talked about getting interested in technical evangelism. I think that's when he was talking about it. Um, I think we're really going to dive into that a little bit more in 159 in this episode. I really love how he actually went about accomplishing (laughs) getting a job in technical evangelism, like, uh, you know, kind of doing the job and then creating the job that might seem like it's backwards, but listen to the episode and you'll see what I'm talking about. Yep. You're going to learn all about how the side hustle can help you excel. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go with part two of our interview with Andy Surwich. from the MSP, I don't think you pursued a a people leadership position. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but I'm curious about the decision tree in Andy's mind. Do I go from where I am now to people leadership because I'm kind of doing that now, or do I go back or do I go to something else? Because you you said you were sick of doing what you were doing with the wrench turning. So is it people leadership or is it a totally different path? And how does one decide? So I think after, like I mentioned, seeing that webinar with Simon Perriman, becoming aware of the technical evangelist team at Microsoft, becoming aware of this concept of a technical evangelist in the the community, right? Um, I think I kind of already made the decision then that, hey, I want to go do something like that, right? Where I'm sharing my knowledge, I'm helping people grow in their careers, um, helping people solve problems. Um, Like I said, I think that MSP, they didn't want to lose me. And I, I, I never set out to become team lead of that particular team, right? I think it was just handed to me where they're like, hey, Andy, you're good with people. You're good talking with people, you know? And I was just like, huh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll try that, you know? And and it was fine. I I didn't really like it, nor did I really dislike it. I was, it was, it was okay, you know? But it's not what I set out to do. And so at the time, I'm trying to think of timelines here. 
so I had kind of started my own blog on the side that, um, you know, I, I did a little bit here and there. I did a YouTube video here and there. I was starting to try and do what I could in the community from a, a teaching perspective, right? And I got hooked up with the folks at Altero and they said, hey, why don't you come blog with us? Uh, this would be 2013, I think it was. At that time, I started blogging with them and had been doing that with them for about two years. And this would have been, this would have been 2015 is when this whole team lead thing started taking off. And I started managing that team. And, and again, this is one of those points of my career where I kind of pushed and pushed to make something happen for myself. I just, on a whim, I just sent an email to my point of contact over at Altero. And I said, hey, what if you guys had someone on staff that did this stuff for you full time. And I said, you know, I would, you know, this hypothetical person, me, of course, would do A, B, C, X, Y, and Z. And this would be the value gained. And this is what, um, you know, <laughs> what would go well. And the uh, point of contact said, hey, that's interesting. Let me get back to you. A few weeks go by. They're like, Hey, let's fly you out and we'll talk about that some more. And it just kind of all worked out. And, you know, my wife likes to to joke sometimes. She's like, you know, you created a position for yourself in an organization you didn't even work for at the time. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of. That's kind of what it feels like. Right. But um, it, I mean, you know, I <laughs> the rest is history at that point. Right. They made me an offer, came on board as a technical evangelist for Altero at the time. And that was when it comes down to the question of, do I go do this evangelism thing or do I keep managing people? There was no hesitation or question in my mind at all. I'm just like, oh, yeah, done with that team lead stuff. We're going to go do this content stuff instead. I mean, there was there was just no question in my mind, no hesitation at all. So when you were talking to your previous employer, you were, you had seen this technical evangelist role. You had kind of identified in your mind that is the direction that I'm interested in going yep. now that I know that it exists. And yep. they heard, I want a bigger role. And then they would just went out and found a different role, you know, where you could still be, you know, billing. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't hold anything against them. They're a great organization. And, um, I think they did what they could, right? They did what they could within the confines of their own their own needs and their own budgets and concerns, right? And you know, I thank them for that. It was it was it was nice of them to 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 try and take care of their employee, right? Not a lot of organizations do that. In the end, it just didn't work out, right? And then at Altero, uh, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying, uh, and I didn't mean to uh, imply anything negative about that. No, no, I, I know you didn't. I know. I, I was just clarifying, just, yeah. you know, in case previous contacts are listening. <laughs> but when you're outside an organization, the way that you are outside of Altero, you don't have any history. You're not billing for them. You know, they're not giving up something. So when you suggest a technical evangelist type role, then they only hear that. Right. They're not hearing about you losing, you know, like, oh, we're not going to be able to, you know, bill your time anymore. Right. Um, and it's maybe just an advantage that you have, right. you know, going to an outside organization. Did they pay you to blog for them or was it one of those things where we'd love for you to write some blogs for us and we'll put it on our blog and give you the the glory? 
so to speak. They they paid. They paid. So it was like, a, you know, this is the rate per article type of thing. Um, that wasn't the only thing they brought me on. I did I did webinars for them as well um, on the side during that time, too. So they knew that I could both write and speak as well. Right. Oh, so nice. so it's not like they went in completely blind to the whole technical evangelist thing, you know. So, I mean, but yeah, I, I, I was getting paid for that stuff on, on the side. And that was never the big thing for me at the time. I mean, it was nice. Don't get me wrong. But it was more about the, hey, I'm finally doing some of the stuff that I want to be doing, right? And that was the exciting thing for me. So, again, just to, uh, to, to clarify this, you had this vision of what you wanted your career to look like, um, the next role or like some kind of evolution in your future. And then you found a way to go out and get some at-bats of doing that by yep. writing your own blog, by putting out YouTube videos, and then catching on as a contributing um, you know, blogger and then pitching them on the idea that, Hey, maybe this, you know, so it was like an evolution, right? It was, yeah, uh, exactly. that I really like that idea of, Oh, I should maybe try to do this and then try to do it. Like, as yeah, to... <laughs> that's exactly what Scott Lowe was talking about in episode 153, looking in the adjacent possible, the edge of your f existing field is the new opportunity that you can jump into in the adjacent field. That's that's a good point. And that's kind of what happened too, right? And I mean, I, I think back to that moment where I had, you know, taken 15, 20 minutes, I've written out this email and my mouse is hovering over the send button. And I'm like, you know, everybody has an email where they're like, do I hit send on this? Like, do I really hit send? I'm just, I'm just going to hit send. Wait, no, I, you know, and I, I hit send and I, Okay, it's in the outbox. Okay, now it's in send items. You know, I'm like, okay. And that moment, you're just like, okay, we're going to let it go. You know, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to let it go. And it worked out, right? And I mean, that's like one of those times where at a, from a career perspective, I just took a chance, put myself out there, and it worked out, you know? It's a, a this is going to be an odd reference, but um, I just remember a book I read as a kid. And uh, this guy was applying for specialties in, in the military. And his very last choice was something like dog handler, you know, or something like that. <laughs> so he walks into this interview and the, you know, one of the questions is, well, where's your dog now? And he realized, oh, you know, they're talking to me about this dog handler position. And he didn't have an answer for like, where's my dog now? Like, where does my dog sleep? You know, does it sleep with me? Does it sleep outside? How do I take care of it? And, and you did the exact opposite. Like you were already doing the thing when you right. suggested that this could be a full-time job. It's like, so you created it, you created the image of it and you created the possibility of it. And then you created in the, in the organization's imagination, what it could be like, Oh, it's, it's right. good here, but it could be so much better. Right. That's, that's a sales job. I, you know, I'll, I'll just, uh, say that <laughs> but i mean it's an interesting part of a, a career progression and i think a lot of people don't think to do that I, I think that's probably one of the only times i've actually done that i guess is what i'm thinking thinking of i i, I guess i'd always done that at like a micro level within that msp with the various organizations but like with, with the the various departments sorry but yeah from a larger external company that that was the first time i'd ever done that certainly so yeah <laughs> it's interesting looking at it that way to go back to your don jones quote earlier about you need to know the problems you solve because you're providing yep. a service 
that company may not have known that they could provide that service to their customers and reap even more benefits than they were at that time because it, it's sort of like exposure therapy. If you don't know that this is a thing or have never been told it's a thing, you might not know it's a thing and, oh, it could be a really right. valuable thing. Agreed. When you were at Altero, I know you were in an evangelist-type role. Did you interact with only a specific subset of customers or could you be pulled in to work with any customer maybe as part of a pre-sales organization or anything like that my role at altero mainly part of the marketing team kind of the technical resource in the marketing team in terms of customer interaction the only customers i, I would ever really interact with would be prospects uh, in a pre-sales capacity because i knew back then when i first came on that Hey, they may not have a need for a 100% of the time technical marketer. So I also said that, hey, you know, I'm really experienced with technical pre-sales as well. So I kind of became also the technical pre-sales guy for, you know, the US for the product set as well. So I would say it was kind of like an 80-20 split, 80 technical marketing, 20% pre-sales. It wasn't a lot of pre-sales, but um, I think that definitely was helpful for them in making the decision too. So I would spend a lot of time talking to prospects. Um, I think the only time I would talk to, to actual customers and partners would be a situation where meet somebody at a conference. Oh, hey, I use your product. Hey, by the way, I have this question, you know, this one button and this one UI, you know, and that type of stuff I would talk with customers about and partners, but, uh, but never, never from a support point of view. And did you do pre-sales at the MSP? I did. Yep. I did pre-sales okay. for, yeah, for on-prem stuff, for cloud stuff, for private hosted cloud stuff. Yeah. Basically the entire, uh, the entire tool stack I do pre-sales for. Okay. I, I guess we didn't, maybe we didn't get that before. I wanted to make sure we got it captured. So awesome. Yeah. No worries. That's, no worries. that's the only place I could think of where that experience would have been unless we missed something. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I may, I think I just neglected to mention it. <laughs> All good. But your progression in skills in that role how how did that look um because you were there for a fairly significant amount of time and and i say that were because i i, I see you know you you left and then came back but in right. that first in that first stint you know there was i'm assuming there's a progression there too right it's it's very difficult to not have a progression in skills and, right. and responsibilities you know you look at it and when you talk about skills and progression, it's usually very technically driven, right? There's this new thing. I need to go learn it because we're going to install it. We're going to support it, whatever. What was kind of unique stepping into that position was, um, was very strong technically at the time. I had all this MSP experience, all this infrastructure experience. Um, I, I had also become part of the Microsoft MVP program before I came on with that role, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, technically very solid at that time, right? What I wasn't so solid on and what surprised me a little bit stepping into this position was in that first year, two, three, heck, even a little bit now that I'm back a second time, I'm learning more about marketing than I ever intended to learn about. So there was really kind of this marketing community building, um, social media type of SEO, SEO is another big part of that. All of these marketing things that I had never learned about um, 
that's kind of where my skill progression really kind of turned to for at least the first year or two pretty solid was just kind of learning that field. Was it interesting or was it annoying? Depended on the day. You know, I never set out to be a marketer, but that's part of the tech evangelist thing, right? And I knew that the marketing was part of it. And I knew going into it, there's going to be some marketing stuff I don't like. I mean, heck, there's some IT stuff I don't like, right? I mean, you, there's there's something in every field that you're not going to like, but there's actually some stuff about marketing that I find super interesting too. Like, you know, prospects, what do they call it? Prospect profiling personas. Profiling sounds like a bad term. <laughs> it's not as devious as it sounds. <laughs> Prospect personas. So like, who are we selling to, right? Who is our target audience? Um, this article that we're writing over here, who's it for? Who's going to find the information you need, right? That type of thing I find really interesting. And, um, you know, I had been doing a lot of public speaking and was doing an increasing amount of public speaking. I found those skills to be exceptionally valuable when it came to my public speaking role. Because then I started asking questions like, instead of worrying so much about the question of what am I going to talk about, I became more interested in who am I talking to, right? Now, okay, I'm talking to more of a business-oriented audience. That, in my opinion, took my public speaking to the next level because now I'm taking this subject that I know a lot about, whatever it is I'm talking about, and now I'm molding it into a message, into a story that is easier for the person I'm talking to to digest and take in, right? Which my public speaking leading up to that point, I would say I had not been doing that. There were definitely applications other than just the marketing piece, right? And I think in terms of marketing skills, the other thing that I found really interesting and was way more complicated than I ever, ever thought it was is uh, is SEO. <laughs> I mean, SEO... <laughs> If you've never looked at SEO, I mean, really looked at what's involved, it is like, it's like rocket science and calculus combined. I mean, um, it's just, it's really crazy, everything that goes into search engine op optimization. So that's that's been a really kind of interest area for me since I, I started in the technical evangelism realm as well. Now, you mentioned that Microsoft MVP designation. I'm sure that was attractive for Altero to have as part of your profile for their tech evangelist. Can you speak to what it really takes to get the Microsoft MVP and, and why you wanted to? Yeah, so I, you know, I had, again, this is going back to probably the 2013, 2012 timeframe. So I attended my very first large scale Microsoft event in 2013. So this would have been back before it was called Microsoft Ignite, it was called Tech Ed at the time, right? So this had been in New Orleans, I think. And I really got roped into the Microsoft community at that event. I really, that was a big focus of my time there was to not only try and take in all the information that you take in at a conference of that size, but to also really get to know the community as well. So I got roped in with, um, you know, a, a group called The Crew, so spelled K-R-E-W-E, and really, it's just kind of an international users group, basically, is what it is, talking mainly on Twitter and Facebook. Um, but there's always a big get-together at large Microsoft events like that. And it was through the contacts I made in this particular group that I became aware of the Microsoft MVP program. And 
you know, people were asking me like, hey, you're doing all this stuff. Are you a Microsoft MVP yet? And I'm like, Microsoft MVP? MVP? What's that? I don't play baseball. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. Yeah. So I started looking into the program. It's like, well, this this makes all kinds of sense for me to 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 work on and, and do this. And um, I also had um, the 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 benefit at the time of um, getting to know the regional Microsoft technical evangelist for the Midwest at the time too, uh, a guy by the name of Keith Mayer. He still works for for Microsoft. He was uh, uh, based out of Ohio. Um, he's not a tech evangelist anymore, but I got to know him really well and. People talk about mentors in their career all the time. I would say um, Keith was a, a big mentor to me at that stage of my career. And he actually brought me on for a um, kind of side story here. He he brought me on for a like a webinar series on Microsoft's Channel 9 website, right? Channel9.microsoft.com. Um, what was it called? It was um, Hyper-V from a VMware admin's perspective. That's what it was called. It took me a second. A second, sorry. Oh, nice. Because he knew I had been managing that vSphere cloud at the time. And so the whole premise of the show was like, hey, you know, you're a VMware administrator. You're doing things this way. This is how you would do that on the Hyper-V and the Windows Server side, right? And it was right. kind of making these correlations. Um, so I, I remember like, hey, cool. I'm going to be on this Channel 9 show. It's going to be awesome, right? Really excited. And um, sitting down to start recording the the session and i'm looking at the 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 view count for some of the other videos in the series and i'm like does that say 200k <laughs> 150k I'm, now i'm like checking my hair and stuff you know and i'm like 150k are gonna like be watching this video and that was the weirdest almost out of body experience right you know that was the first time i had ever done anything to that scale and Keith is we're recording now and he's doing the introduction to the to the show and he's getting ready to, you know, introduce me and and I'm going to have to say who I am and and what I do and and that was probably one of the only situations I've ever been in where I had like a high degree of anxiety in terms of speaking. It was just kind of one of these really weird really weird out of body experiences, right? But um <laughs> back to the original question that experience doing that series with with Keith basically ultimately got to a point to where he nominated me for the Microsoft MVP program. Once you're nominated to be a Microsoft MVP, you have to fill out this nice long document that um, you input all of your community contributions, right? So, hey, I wrote this blog post. This was the reach. I did this video. This was the reach. And they want to see what your contributions to the community looks like. And really what it's all about is what kind of value are you providing to the Microsoft community? You know, if you, you know, reach a certain amount, what that amount is, I don't know. <laughs> they, I don't know what the exact rubric is, but um, you're given the Microsoft MVP award. So it's 77. You have to 77. contribute. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. 77. You have to contribute 77. We, we don't know 77 what, but it's just no. it's 77. Yeah. Is it a mix of code and other contributions? I was just curious if there's a code requirement. So it's it's different based on contribution area. So at the time, um, I came on as a you were gonna you you praised me for being a VMware administrator earlier in the show. Now you're gonna you're you're gonna go the other way on this one. I, it's okay. I Andy, came we're on. We're friends here. This is a safe space. <laughs> I, I hold no hard. I initially feelings. came <laughs> right. I say that because I came on as an MVP initially in the Hyper-V award category. Because, oh, wow. Yeah, infrastructure guy, right? 
No, no, that, that makes absolute sense. Like, I mean, if, if you are, you know, running Hyper-V, you're probably going to need a whole lot of help, right? Like yep. just tons and tons of technical help and, and documentation just because of how difficult I, I don't. Uh, okay. I, I see we, where, I see where, I see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks I for kid, just reading the cue cards, John. Appreciate it. Right. Checks in the mail. So people who know me know I've been on both sides of this of this story, right? You know, and they're like, Andy, what's better, Hyper-V or VMware? And I'm like, you know what? This is the answer I always give now. They're both great platforms. It just depends on whose ecosystem you want to be in, right? <laughs> it's 2021. It probably shouldn't matter at all. Uh, right. <laughs> the, the game is changing, right? Anyway. So going back to the Microsoft MVP program, again, kind of all that combined allowed me to get into the Microsoft MVP program. Um, they kind of generalized the award areas now. So now I'm considered cloud and data center management um, is, the, is the term. And that includes things like Windows Server, Hyper-V, PowerShell, Azure, Azure Stack HCI. Um, but you know, when you ask the question, is there code involved? If you're in certain award categories and you're a developer, there, there certainly is code involved, you know? So if you're, uh, I'm, there are .NET MVPs, for example, where, you know, you're helping people learn .NET, you know, there's going to be code involved there. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft is just a massive ecosystem. So I can imagine there, there are many areas. That's cool though. Oh, it yes, takes a lot of work to do. I mean, that's a body of work that you've built up over a certain amount of time. And if you want to continue to be in the program, you have to keep doing it, right? You do, yeah. So there's a reward, a reward, award season, I guess is what you would call it, every year where, um, you know, you say, okay, hey, this is everything I've done over the last year. You hit submit, and then three months from then, you find out whether you get to stay in the program or not. And every year when I hit submit, I, I what, what GIF did I post last year? Which meme did I post last year? I think it was, I don't know, something about you know, the weight being excruciating, right? Oh, I did Don Draper silently screaming in his head. That's what, that's the one I posted last year. <laughs> so was it easier to, to keep that alive and flowing after the move to Altero or about the same? I would say about the same. Yeah. I, I mean, I was certainly more plugged into the community once I made the shift to Altero because my day job became community and content, Right. But I would say the level of of effort became about the same. Yeah, those designations, whether it's Microsoft MVP, Cisco Champion, VMware vExpert, lots yep. of different ones can can open doors for people. Veeam Vanguard's another one. I mean, yep. That's a those are really excellent programs to get yourself involved in. If you have some expertise in in those technology stacks, it's probably some of the stuff you are doing that you just need to publicize and sanitize right? right in order to to be considered for those programs right yep and much like certification oftentimes the benefit is in the journey right is it's getting right. involved in that community it's the the level of quality content that you're contributing and and who you're helping um and then the award is a little bit you know it, it certainly is uh climactic but it it's the process that you go through to get that, that provides the value. Definitely. And and 
that the MVP community, I, I can never say enough positive things about. I mean, just a fantastic group of individuals. Um, you know, I've gotten to the point to where if I don't know the answer to a question, I IT related, right? Um, I know somebody who does are, are the chances. And I mean, there's so many smart people within the program. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's I have a whole list of individuals where I'll, I'll never know as much about storage as so and so. I'll never know as much about virtual uh, about uh, hypervisors as so. I mean, you know, you have all kinds of uh, different levels and just so many smart people in the program, right? Um, that it's it's humbling one to be included in part of that program. There's also times where the imposter syndrome really kicks in as well, right? Because I don't belong here because there's people so much smarter than me that are part of this program. And it, it, you know, that's, that's part of it as well, but by and large, very, very valuable and highly positive experience with that program. It's like a lifeline to a, a new group of friends. Once you get into a community group like that, and it can open all kinds of doors for people. I know. I mean, the only one I've had experience in is V expert from VMware. And you could probably tell why if you look at my LinkedIn because I work for VMware. But, <laughs> right. uh, you know, all these programs, you can meet so many great people and I'm sure can lead to a lot of interesting career opportunities. Did did being a part of that program land you a different job at any point? Just curious. I don't think it was a direct... I don't think me having that award was a direct result of me landing any job. I, I think it certainly helped, especially in the you know, coming on as a technical, technical evangelist, it was almost like a, like a gold star award for doing that job basically. Right. Um, so it kind of was additional verification, additional gave them a little bit more peace of mind, knowing that I could actually do the job I was pitching to them. Right. Them being Altero in this, this case. Nick, I, I just love the audacity of pitching an organization on creating a job for you. And I think you pointed out to me that that's very similar to what Tom Delicati did. Uh, and the interview with him was back in the first 20 episodes. Is this episode 13, I think? Episode 13. Tom Delicati, interestingly enough, our very first interview guest on Nerd Journey. If you're listening, Tom, we love you. So I, I just love that idea of like, hey, maybe you should be creating a full-time position doing what I'm doing for you and, you know, getting positive feedback from that. Like, yeah, hold on. Let, let us uh, take some time to think about that, you know, and then getting like, a, well, that was a great idea. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, and interestingly enough, sometimes exposure to that new path, you know, Andy got exposure that technical evangelism with a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And once you know it's a thing and you may not have known it's an option for you or a career path, you go, wow, I would love to do that. You get ignited, kind of like Dan Coyle talked about in The Talent Code, have this burning desire to go and do the thing. 
Yeah. I, I have to say, now that you say that and it kind of talk about that pattern, like exposure, you know, to the path causes ignition, you know, and motivation to, to do that path. Like, I feel like maybe that's exactly what happened to me when I first figured out like what a sales engineer was. Um, I was like, oh, that is a valid career path. You know, that's something that I could be doing and that maybe I would be really good at doing, um, you know, and it creates aspirations and then creates that hunger, you know, that Andy talked about in part one. Yeah, and I th- I think that's what we're doing on the show. I-, I think that when you and I were in IT operations, we just, we didn't understand, even though we were connected in the Spiceworks community, what all the possible career paths were from where we were at that time. Yeah, And I think exactly that's the right. case for a lot of people. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, I'm tech support level one, but I could be L2 and L3 and then maybe even someday a system administrator or system engineer. And then there's system engineer one, system engineer two, system, you know, it's like there's this like exact like single track ladder. And at the end of that ladder is become a manager, you know, and there's nothing else that you could ever do. And that's just wrong. And hopefully we are doing a good job of like exposing all these other paths. Um, to people. One thing that like popped in my mind as we were listening back is that both Andy and Josh Duffney, I think back on just recently in episode 157, mentioned this idea of like uh, search engine optimization while they're doing content development. It'd be really interesting to do an episode about that and then hear from a couple different people maybe. Um, I'm just pitching another episode idea, I guess, like live and on the fly. You know, to hear maybe from Andy and and back from Josh, like exactly what it was that they were talking about when they meant SEO, like for their content that they were developing for their employers and and how maybe an independent blogger um, or, hey, independent podcaster, you know, might benefit from the techniques that they are talking about and thinking about when they say SEO for their content that they're developing. Yeah. And... Andy goes into technical evangelism or what we might call technical marketing and finds this whole new area, including search engine optimization, that was actually really interesting to him. And I imagine maybe he didn't expect that that part would be interesting and was more focused on the, I want to do presentations and create content. Yeah, very true. Like you never know the depth of the job that you know you're getting getting into until you're actually in it and you don't know what technical details of that job you might find interesting you make assumptions you just don't know just don't know Ooh, imposter syndrome he mentioned that and i think that maybe leads into our topic um for next week um but i'll I'll leave that alone and you know not try to get too ahead of ourselves here um anything else last thoughts for you I think that it's important to call out that we have another person uh, coming and telling us about how they were part of a technology advocacy program. In this case, it was Microsoft. He he was a Microsoft MVP. He continues to participate in that community, boosts your network, and really gets your name out there. And, And I think that if you have the chance to participate in one of those, you should. I put a link in the show notes to, I think it was episode 36, where John and I talked about advocacy programs that companies have and why they have them. So go check that out. And if you're not a member of one, definitely consider it for the benefit of your career. And to John's point earlier, 
this next episode, part three, is a conclusion of our trilogy with Andy, and we're really going to turn the conversation in a very different, yet completely captivating direction that we're not going to tell you about until next week. You know, I just realized when you're talking about advocacy programs, I've been working at Google Cloud for almost two and a half years now, and I don't know if Google Cloud has an advocacy program. That's kind mm. of weird, right? Yeah. Maybe I should. Uh, maybe I should figure that out. I'll. Maybe I'm assigning myself homework, and I'll report back next week. I like it when John gets assigned homework instead of me. Yes, you'll notice that. Like I very rarely follow through with that. <laughs> and if you want to be the one to hold John accountable, tweet at us at Nerd Journey. <laughs> All right, let's uh, maybe uh, wrap things up and get out of here. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Don't forget to rate the show, please. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at Journeyman for Nick Cordy, at Network Nerd underscore, signing off. Adios. Adios.